This is BYU Sports Nation, brought to you by the BYU Store, simulcast on BYU-TV and BYU-Radio. Now, from Studio B, here's Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. BYU Sports Nation is live, your day-to-day play-by-play in Studio B, presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Tuesday, August 11th, wherever and however you're connected, Always nice to have you with us. I am Spencer Linton, teamed up with a lifelong lobbyist of Taco Tuesday. His name is Jerem Jordan. I don't remember when the first Taco Tuesday, you know, was uttered. Perhaps it was in, you know, France in the 1700s or something. Uh, but I, I'm not exactly sure. But Tuesdays, I just associate with tacos. The Lego movie kind of helped with that a little bit. But I know there was a movement before that. I know LeBron James liked it. Likes it, and I know Preston Hadley and General Guilford like it in today's edition of Coaches on Bikes. Today is National Taco Tuesday! Taco Tuesday! But yesterday was Get Your Money Monday, and I gotta say, we got that money. We got that money. Well, aren't they like three for a dollar something? It's all good. You don't even need that money. On a budget, Taco Tuesday fits everyone's budget. Appreciate Gennaro Guilford and Preston Hadley for maintaining their tradition throughout all I, of BYU football fall camp. Yeah, so far so good. You know, what is it, day 12? It is Over day 12. Four and a half, so they've uh, overshot that. Uh, you know, topping expectations, which is nice because around here, sometimes the expectations are high. We set them low. They jumped over the bar. Let's go. Now we can set the over-under at uh, 20 and a half or something, you know? So you as the Taco Tuesday lobbyist, um, you, you pointed out that maybe it started in France in the 1700s. That's something I did not know. I'm, I'm, I'm kidding. I don't know. <laughs> Tacos later. Your Super Tuesday show lineup right now. BYU football has exactly three games remaining on the 2020 schedule. Two of those confirmed AAC opponents, one with an FCS in North Alabama. Will that number rise or fall by the end of the week? National college football writer and insider Matt Brown, deep in the heart of Big Ten country, on what to expect from the Big Ten conference meetings today and which Power Five conference may have the wild card in all of this. Plus, BYU football all-access one-on-one with quarterback Zach Wilson and with Navy on the schedule now. Top 5 Tuesday features the greatest BYU football plays against the service academies. One in particular. Here are today's BYU Sports Nation headlines. The Mountain West Conference postpones football and all fall sports. This eliminates the Utah State, Boise State, and San Diego State games off of BYU's schedule. Life's really fun right now. The Mountain West is exploring the feasibility of rescheduling in the spring. (laughs) Good luck. The league league joins the MAC as the second of the 10 FBS leagues to cancel the season. Additionally, UMass cancels its football season as well, so a second independent going the cancellation route. The Big Ten Conference presidents from all 14 schools are meeting as we speak and deliberating on whether to cancel, further postpone, or move forward with their modified 2020 college football schedule. Sources report that September 26th could be the later start date for the Big Ten or the conference may pursue a spring schedule as other conferences are saying they will. The Pac-12 CEO group will also meet today, discuss, and apparently vote on how to proceed with their conference-only mandated 2020 football season. In contrast, 
Pat Forty of Sports Illustrated reports the 14 athletic directors in the Atlantic Coast Conference plan to move forward in an attempt to play the 2020 football season after their meeting yesterday. Both the AAC and the SEC plan to move forward with their 2020 fall seasons for now. AAC Commissioner Mike Oresco said we would we still would like to play that the other two conferences decided not to play is not decisive for us. Okay, so the AAC joins the Sun Belt and Conference USA with no changes, per se, to their schedules. BYU Athletic Director Tom Holmo sent the following message to BYU football season ticket holders yesterday, and I quote, The news of the last couple of days has left uncertainty as to whether or not there will be a college football season. It has been our desire all along to play football, but the impending decisions made nationally and locally in the coming days will determine whether or not we play this fall. We appreciate your patience and loyal support as season ticket holders during these unprecedented times. We will continue to communicate with you as important decisions are made regarding the 2020 season, end quote. A lot there. All rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation. Super Tuesday. Get your votes in, Power 5 school presidents and chancellors. Should there be a college football season or not? Yesterday, as we just recapped, the Mountain West shut it down. Joining the MAC, at least two Power 5 conferences, the Big Ten and Pac-12 could determine their 2020 futures as early as today or maybe delay their final decisions. And then there's independent BYU, largely at the mercy of what conferences will decide to do. The Cougars have Navy, Houston, and North Alabama remaining on the schedule. Jeremy, at the end of this week, will BYU have more or fewer than three games on the football schedule? North Alabama seems weird that it's still on there. The Big South hasn't said what they want to do. Apparently nine of the 13 FCS leagues have said, no, we're not going to play in the fall. So the Big South, one of the holdouts there. Uh, maybe fewer if North Alabama and the Big South are like, yeah, we're not playing. So right now it's the AAC for the win, right? Navy and Houston on there. Um, load her up, man. Stinks, man. You, the, the, to me, the sign of this schedule really crumbling was if the Mountain West games went away. And we got a confirmation last week from Utah State. Okay, we're going to open up camp late, and uh is the opener. It's like, oh, sweet. San Diego State's AD saying, yep, BYU's still on the schedule, one of the two non-con. We thought, oh, okay, that's good. And Navy was scheduled. It's like, hey, Positive it's, feeling, it's feeling like uh, we're going to at least try and play a couple games here. Now it's not. So I would ask this question. What changed the last five or six days since the a- ACC and the SEC and even the Pac-12 came out with the conference-only schedules? What changed is liability and the serious around that. Apparently... These conferences got the message that, hey, you know what? You better not play because there could be you know, medium to long-term effects that uh, would reap financial issues for universities and, and the league. And it's not so, as black and white as just death or survival. Right, and hardly anything's you know, that black and white. So that's what changed is the liability. But I would ask this question. Th- this is concerning. If those leagues that have more money think they can't play – how could anyone else play? You know what I mean? That has less money. So that's concerning. Because if that's a, a legit thing, like the liability there, the conservative approach of Brigham Young University and the Church of Jesus Latter-day Saints, you'd think the Board of Trustees at one point would say, yeah, that's probably where we need to be. But the issue right now seems to be, 
And this, you could approach this in your life, too. Like, well, I asked this doctor, and this doctor said this. But I asked this doctor, and they said that. That's why you get, like, a second opinion, right? So individual schools are asking questions. Leagues are asking questions. But there's not a lot of sync up in that. No, there's no communication between the medical experts from all of the conferences. So at what point are they going to talk about all of this? Because James Franklin, you know, minutes ago went on Get Up on ESPN and said, listen. Penn State's head coach. If our doctor said um, that it was safe, it's I need to pursue playing. And he was asked. Um, you know, by by Mike Greenberg about if if it's safe to play, would you pursue playing without the league? And it's like, well, how's that going to work? Because TV contracts, you've you've sold the rights to your games to the league, and if the league doesn't play, so it's complicated. There, it doesn't feel like we're going to play. Like if we if you Navy happens, it feels like that'll be a surprise at this point. Here's what's really confusing to me about all of this: many of these Power Five schools and group of five schools with large student bases are planning on resuming classes in person. Except in for fall. California right now, right? California's kind of outside of that. And there are a, num- a, a few scattered schools around the country that have said, no, 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 we're doing everything online. But the majority of these Power Five schools are having their students come back to campus. So why would they do that? but not play college football. I, I can't understand that. Alone. Yeah, it, well, and I would argue, why would, why would COVID get any better soon? To me, think of the, the tens of millions of people who are going to go back to school here soon in many, if not most of the states. So why is like, that okay? Like why my, is that? Yeah, like yeah. My ki- come on back. My kid's going to elementary school next week. I'm like, wait, what? Really? Over under three weeks on that. Do you trust the medical experts that say your kid's going to be just fine? Do you Uh, trust those? Is there a medical expert saying that? Absolutely. The kids wouldn't be going back to school if there weren't groups of medical experts saying that. The school district has consulted them. Yeah, but little Johnny is not going to wear (laughs) – he's not going to cough into his mask all day. He's going to cough outside. It's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. Um, It doesn't seem like we're going to be able to play. Right, it just, it just didn't seem like that. To answer the immediate question, I think it'll be status quo. I think at the end of the week, BYU will have three games on the schedule. I'm amused that North Alabama is still on the schedule. It's like, well, unless their conference decides to shut it down, I think it'll remain status quo. Um, it's going to be a wild week to say the least. But BYU is in a position where they have to wait for the conference dominoes to fall. Like they they are at the mercy of these other conferences and the trend of all of that. And it really largely comes down to, with these specific conferences, what their medical experts are telling them and which medical experts they trust the most. That's how Well, f- who tells you what you want to hear is what normally happens. Well, and that's part of it, right? Oh, you're telling me it's okay? Well, then I'm going to be biased towards that. Like, <laughs> who, who pursues what who, they don't want? Who's going who's gonna to lead out, whether it's we're shutting it down or we're playing? Hey, who's going to lead out and just say, no, we're, no one's doing that. Everyone's just kind of waiting to see what everybody else is doing. It's this weird standoff. Well, the, well, the Big Ten will. They, they, it feels like But even they've they, they been... can punt today. They could say, nah, we're not doing it. Right, but chances are they could be the, they're the first because they were the first to do that, the first to be rumored to cancel. Like They feel like they want to be well, the now, ones. Now to, the like, Mac is the it. first to do it, right? And then the Mountain West. Right, right. I mean among Power Fives because it's one thing if the Mac does it, right? It's another of the Big Ten. And the whole liability thing is very real. But these schools, 
to a degree, are already liable for the health and safety of their players, are they not? Not beyond when they graduate. That's the issue here is maybe they'd say, oh, I right now. And I would argue that they should be after they graduate with CTE and physical disabilities that could potentially come from traumatic injuries on the field. I am of the I am in the camp of you should take care of them if they got hurt significantly, whether it's your heart or it's an organ or it's a bone or whatever. Yeah. Like I, for me, I, I think, I think Luke Staley sh- agrees with you. Yes, I totally understand the Luke Staley situation. Well, there. and yeah, many athletes. That's a big financial sentence you just presented. Okay, and yeah. what about yeah. how how can they trace it? So, t- talking with some lawyers in my own Linton camp because I have a few friends that are lawyers, they brought up a point of how can you trace it to well, I it's the school's fault that I got COVID. How can you prove that? This is why I don't work in like. Insurance, claims. right? How can you prove that it's gonna? It would be a mess in the legal system to say, yes, I know specifically, I got COVID because I got it from this person on campus or this in football, and that enlarged my heart and that caused me all this. Like you would have to have a paper trail a mile long to hold these schools liable for this. So, I mean, I, and I'm not putting it past people that they could do that, but it seems like just a mess. It's a circus. Yeah. We're not going to play college football this year. Just think about it. Like, realistically, we ain't playing. Beauty Navy's not happening. You know, and like, I hope making, it does. People like, are making great points. Yeah, like, I hope I hope it does, but it doesn't seem like it can really do it. And and BYU currently has three games on the schedule. It's like, people are saying three. I'm, I'm saying it's like two and a half. You know, we're not sure on North Alabama. But the fewest games BYU's ever played in a season is at stake here, which is our stat of the day. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. Use games BYU has ever played a six. And it was the three of the first four years of the program. 22, 24, and 25. That's 19, 22. Yeah. We're coming up on a, a century of Cougar football. Can we just shut something down really fast? I, I see a number of people saying, can't the players just sign a liability waiver? Senators in the United States literally went to Mark Emmert of the NCAA, multiple, angrily saying, you cannot have them sign these. It is illegal now. Like, you cannot do There's no such thing as a liability waiver for COVID in college football. There is for the kid that comes over on my trampoline, though. Yes, sure. <laughs> yes. Hey, uh, do you mind? I don't actually do that, but you get it. I, I can't believe that I don't really feel like doing this, but we're going to do it anyway. Because I'm not sure it's going to happen. It's not probably not going to happen, but let's do it. Hit it! Countdown to Navy. 27. 27 uh, days away from when BYU is scheduled to play Navy in Annapolis, Maryland. That's the most heartless countdown I've ever done. And I've done a lot of those heartless, trust me. I hope. <laughs> I hope I it know, happens. I know. I do, too. I just don't see how it's going to happen. I don't, I don't see it. <sighs> and so many coaches making great points. Yeah. Nick Saban. Are they safer within the program or without the program? Man, it just it's crazy. And they, right. But But – He's not thinking about the liability of 10 years from now. He's thinking about playing right now. Our question of the day, will BYU have more or fewer than three games on the schedule by the end of the week? (laughs) Let's go to Voice of the Nation. This is the Voice of the Nation on BYU Sports Nation. At Chimmer on Instagram. 
sounds like Nebraska is willing to play anyone <laughs> if the Big Ten cancels. I say sign them up. You know, that idea is nice, it, but it's totally well not feasible. Cool. It won't be on TV. It won't be. Air Force can play anybody, by the way. They, they can do whatever as a military academy. It's, it's well, weird. They and can, Army's independent, and Navy, in theory, could they, too. They so. have an exception with the military academies, I believe. I don't oh, know if just, it's anybody. I oh, think it's just, just the military academy? I think it's academy? just the military uh, academies. Well, BYU needs to become a military academy. Uh, yeah, Nebraska. It's a spiritual gonna, military academy. I think Nebraska's going to throw away the Big Ten to play, maybe play a couple of games and ruin that relationship. Come on. Coming up, the new BYU COVID helmet. And he is the publisher of Extra Points. He lives in Chicago. He's in the midst of the Big Ten madness, and he likes BYU too. Matt Brown will join us. What will today's Power 5 news mean for the Cougars moving forward? This is BYU Sports Nation. The Matt Brown. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. For game highlights, interviews, and archived content, subscribe to the BYU TV Sports YouTube channel today. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. We are live in Studio B, and this is your day-to-day BYU Sports play-by-play. I'm Spencer Linton alongside Jerem Jordan. Joining us now on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline via Zoom is college football insider, writer of Extra Points, Matt Brown. Matt, welcome back to the show. And apparently, when it rains, it pours quite literally, whether it's bad college football news or just your part of the country. Yeah, we had a, a little mini hurricane in Chicago yesterday, which is not something I thought I was going to have to experience by moving so far away from the ocean. But uh, the arc worked, and, uh, and now we're ready for a different, a different kind of flood. Okay, so uh, you're prepared for that. How can we all be prepared for what we don't know is going to happen with college football? Yeah, I, I think if you're a BYU fan, one of the most frustrating things about you know, the last couple of weeks and moving forward is how much of this is really just not in control of your institution. You have a smart athletic director. You can make calls all over the country. But if all of the other schools that you were going to play are going to make independent decisions about about canceling football or postponing football, there's not really anything you can do. There's not any greater body that's advocating specifically for BYU. So at this point, I think all you can do is keep your expectations low and measured, you know, realize that you're doing everything that you can and that your season's going to be in the hands of not just other administrators, but also how this country responds to uh, COVID-19. Yeah, in theory, BYU could just play, right? They, they're an independent. They're not beholden to a league, right? But if, if several of the Power Fives, and who knows if all of them will end up here, had, they have all the money. They, they could handle the liability of things, you would think, but they still don't want to play. That's not a good sign for the rest of college football. Yeah, that's 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 the one. I guess you know, silver lining here is you, you don't you don't have broadcast deals tied up with another conference. You don't really need anyone else's permission. You can do what's best for your institution, um, and if you can find enough people to play, that gives you a lot more flexibility. Notre Dame had that same flexibility too. That lets them set up this kind of arrangement here uh, with with the ACC. The, the tricky thing is just finding enough schools. I, I think it's uh, you'd be pretty concerned right now about what's happening at the FCS level. There's not going to be an FCS playoff, and schools now have to realize, does it make sense for me to play three non-conference games just to collect a paycheck and then try to table everything for a couple of months? You know, Some schools, are, I've indicated, they'd like to do that. We have some service academies that play by different rules, but everyone's doing things a little bit different, and especially given the last 48 hours out west, 
I, I think building out that roster of teams is going to be challenging for BYU, especially after the Mountain West's recent decision. Yeah, so that becomes the question, right? Is And we were talking about, okay, the American Athletic Conference, we had Mike Oresco on, uh, the commissioner, Friday. He loves BYU. He, I think he'd love to have BYU in the league, frankly. Um, and that's always an option in the future, but that's a topic for another day. Does BYU just get a bunch of AAC teams as much as possible? Do they get any independents remaining? UConn, now UMass, not in the mix. What does BYU do? Where does BYU go from, uh, from here? What do you think? I, I, I think you call everybody. The American Athletic is the, is, is the conference right now that makes the most sense because they're, they're saying, at least publicly, we want to play as many out-of-conference games as we possibly can. And that suddenly means they have a bunch of inventory. Um, and do you have a lot of athletic directors at those institutions that have already worked with BYU? You have a conference office that already has a positive relationship with BYU. So that makes sense. Uh, the other independents, and I have been writing about this for a couple of months, it's, it's tough sledding because for most of those schools, if you don't have the, the guaranteed game contracts, that two, three million dollars guaranteed coming in financially, it doesn't really make sense to play football. And that's what UConn and UMass have decided. I would be shocked if New Mexico State doesn't make a similar decision within the next couple of days. And that basically just leaves you in Liberty and an, an army, and you can't play Liberty six different times. So if Says you're going to try to fill out man. that schedule, <laughs> I know, not with that attitude, right? <laughs> but um, <laughs> um, I, I, would, I would imagine looking to the East is probably your best chance to get lots of games. Yeah, it's quite the conundrum that BYU is facing. But, hey, the Sun Belt, Conference USA, they're trying to follow the pattern of the American athletics. So we'll see what Tom Homo can string together. But, Matt, because you live quite literally in the heart of Big Ten country and the Big Ten important people are meeting as we speak, what do you think is going to happen today with the Big Ten? Because we saw a really big paradigm shift yesterday when it was, oh, Big Ten is going to cancel the season and then, Jim Harbaugh comes out and Ryan Day comes out. These powerful voices saying we got to keep doing, we got to keep doing what we can do to try and play this season. What's going to happen within the Big Ten Conference? It is a fascinating question right now, and this what we've seen over the last thirty-six hours, I think, just clearly demonstrates how different the Big Ten is now that Jim Delaney's retired. You know, for, for all you could say about him, good or bad. He was really good at presenting a unified front within all of these institutions. And now you have a brand new athletic commissioner, somebody who hasn't really worked in college athletics for very long. And also Ohio State, one of the premier inst- most powerful institutions in that conference, just changed university presidents. Okay. So you have somebody coming in just new on the job, and there's a power vacuum. And when that power vacuum isn't filled, suddenly athletic directors and coaches and all of these other people have rushed to fill it. And I don't think the university presidents and the conference office we're prepared for that. There's a lot, a lot of reticence to play this college football season at the Big Ten level. A lot of these schools are very worried about liability. They're very worried about the potential long-term health issues that come from COVID-19 that are unrelated to death, right? It's not a binary situation. You either get better in two weeks or you die. There's These schools think, hey, there's some risks that we don't understand about your cardiovascular system, about your central nervous system, and they don't really want to do it. But there's a lot, a lot of pressure. Call it, you know, coaches, players, state politicians, state governors that are pushing them to play. So right now, I wouldn't be shocked if they decide to punt again, which is a very Big Ten thing to do rather than make a big decision. Hey, even the president of the United States got involved in the conversation yesterday. So the political pressure is real right now. Yeah, that, absolutely. And remember, like, there's a lot of red states in, in the Big Ten footprint. There's a lot of red governors and a lot of these public institutions have regents that are politically appointed. So there's, I mean, and this is definitely true within the South too. 
your academics may say one thing, your coaches may say one thing, and then the government and the politicians are going to say another thing too. It's I know how frustrating this is for fans because so many people want sports to be a refuge and a distraction from politics. But right now, on every level, these are all political issues. You can't separate them, especially for state institutions that are literally governed by politicians. It feels like the SEC holds the cards to whether we will actually play a season. Because if they don't play, then there's not really a reason for the ACC or the Big 12 to really do it. It feels like they're waiting for the SEC to make a move. What do you, what do you think of that idea? I think, honestly, the big wild card right now is the Big 12. Because I think you have some of these schools within the SEC and the ACC that are committed saying, listen, we've gone our separate ways from the Big Ten and the Pac-12 before. We did that with the Bowl Alliance system. We did that with the Sanity Code. We've done that with a bunch of other hot-button issues. We could theoretically do this again. But right now it's reported that administrators within the Big 12 are honestly torn. And if that league with that many uh, you know, powerful institutions decides that they want to postpone or wait, a football season of just schools in the Southeast – I think that becomes really politically untenable. The SEC right now, they want to play until it's absolutely, until the troops say that you can't play anymore. But if the Big 12, which could still flip either way, changes, that makes that conversation much more difficult within the Southeast. Matt, it was fascinating to watch Scott Frost, the Nebraska head coach yesterday, say essentially, look, if the Big 10 shuts us down, we're ready to go somewhere else and play football. I mean, just crazy, unprecedented things. And the Nebraska fan base is crazy enough to hop on board that Scott Frost train and follow him wherever he leads because of his history with the program. Uh, is it feasible that these major programs could break away for one season and defy the conference? Do you see that happening? I, you know, it's funny. Ryan Day at Ohio State said something kind of similar after uh, a member of the Ohio State beat asked that kind of question. He indicated, hey, we have to pursue all potential options here. And if there's one thing that I've known about writing an awful lot about conference realignment, it's that coaches are not the people that are the most important decision makers in that room. I've, I've asked around over the past couple of days, and I don't want to say it's impossible because nothing over the last month has made any sense. But it would be extremely unlikely for a school like Nebraska or Ohio State or Oklahoma or USC to go play in another conference for a year because they don't own their broadcast rights. Those are arrangements that are owned by, collectively by their conference. They're, they're owned with, to, tied to ESPN. They're tied to Fox. They're tied to the Big Ten Network. And they would need the rest of those conference peers to agree to suspend those rights for a year and then figure out where that money goes if they play somewhere else. So Notre Dame could do that because they own everything. BYU could theoretically do that. They own everything. At the FCS level, we saw a couple of schools in the Colonial Athletic, which is a powerhouse FCS conference, indicate that they would pursue an independent schedule. You know, now they're not. And you can do that if your media revenue is 100 grand a year. And that led to a lot of hurt feelings within that league. There could be you know, real problems there, but you could do it. When that money is $50 million, and when you look at all of the institutional sacrifices as a school Nebraska made to get in the Big Ten, they're not going to risk all that so Scott Frost can go six and six and go play in the GameStop Bowl. Like that's that, that's not something that makes sense. That doesn't make sense. You're exactly right. And uh, BYU would know about uh, creating um, you know hurt feelings in a conference due to TV issues. Yeah, BYU would know. So just call Tom. He can tell you what happened with uh, Wyoming. Right. When you look at what the coaches and players are doing, obviously the player movement and the coaches saying this, I think that is perfect timing because then it makes the administrators the bad guys if they don't play college football i think that's well played by them oh it's not our fault we wanted to play 
I, I think it's smart too. I mean, I, I have to be honest, you know, as a, as a reporter, I love the idea of college athletes becoming uh, more empowered to say what's on their mind generally. And, and I think as reporters and as fans, we have to realize sometimes we're not going to agree with them, but if we want to encourage them to actually speak and use that voice and power, we have to support them, you know, re regardless. Right. And, and I think this is a really good example. Um, you're right. It put all of the power, all of the pressure right back on, on the administrators. And then the athletes, I think, were very smart and laid out. Not only do we really want to play, but here's exactly what we need to make that happen. And those, those demands, now I'm not talking about like the Pac-12 United. I'm talking about the stuff that came out on midnight a day or two ago about here are the things that we need in order to play football, which we really want to do. Those are reasonable. Those, those, are, those are things I think lots of individual administrators would, would agree to want to make this happen. So you're right. If there's going to be a bad guy, it's going to be a university president. It's going to be a suit. And these are people that are not used to being in the public crosshairs at the same way that a coach or a player is. Matt Brown, college football insider, publisher of Extra Points. Matt, remind the people how they can find your stuff. You, you bet. You can find me on Twitter at MattBrownEP. You could subscribe to Extra Points at extrapoints.substack.com. You could subscribe for free and get two newsletters a week that, deep, that uh, dig deep into the off-the-field issues like political engagements or higher ed policy that shape college football. You can also subscribe for $7 a month or $70 for the whole year and get four newsletters a week. That's original journalism, that's analysis, that's information from experts that shape all of the world for college athletics that we know now. He is building the arc of hope for all college football fans. <laughs> Matt Brown, also an elite pennant collector, my friend. Yeah, Great. you have more now. I do. People, people have been sending this, them to me, which, which is wonderful. We've got pennants back here from Maine and Virginia and Southeast Missouri State. And I've got this you know, like vintage 1930s college football map poster. Like, I, 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 I love this stuff. If I'm stuck here in my basement for the next couple of months, I can't hit the road. Might as well make it look as nice as possible. Absolutely. Matt, thanks for the time, man. No, no problem, fellas. Anytime. Matt Brown on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why we show how. Coming up, Zach Wilson on BYU's new helmet and newcomers that stick out in fall camp. And the best to ever wear it. Are we going to have a receiver somewhere in the 80s? This is BYU Sports Nation. If you want to watch any of the deep blues from the past season on football, men's basketball, women's volleyball, you can check them out on the BYU TV app today. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. He is Jerem. I am Spencer. And this is how we whip it. It's time for the Cougar Whip Around. Tom Homel sent a letter to season ticket holders stating BYU has a desire, has desired all along to play football, but decisions elsewhere are determining the Cougars' future. So if you're Tom Homel, who is your next call going to? Mike Oresco and the American Athletic Conference officials. If BYU is going to have any type of a season, any type of a football future in 2020, and any fans are going to watch games, it's going to be Mike Oresco. And shortly after that, the commissioners of Conference USA and the Sun Belt try and piece something together. Maybe the athletic directors at Army and Liberty, Jerem. BYU is running out of options, but it seems that Mike Oresco is in the Cougars' corner right now. All right, Jerem, BYU football tweeted out a picture yesterday of the new Shut Splash Shields installed in the players' helmets. I think they look sharp. What do you think of the new safety shields? Yeah, I, I've been waiting for someone in college football to display this. I have yet to really see anything, so is BYU one of the first? These look really nice. Uh, obviously, there's a visor up top. Uh, not everyone has the visor up top, by the way. It's mainly just where your mouth is out. So 
If it's called a splash shield, that's a little too descriptive for me. <laughs> that's a little too descriptive. Okay, uh, BYU women's volleyball held its first practice yesterday. Do you think they'll play? I think BYU will play, but it'll be a shortened season and probably not feature a conference slate due to the heavy California presence in the West Coast Conference. The state of California is trending not in the right direction. There are so many institutions there on the West Coast. Jeremiah, I just don't think it's going to happen. Shortened season, but I don't think it's going to be in conference. Alicia May Mateo holds the lead in the Utah Women's Stroke Play Championship after round one with Naomi Soifua and Kirsten Fotu tied for third. All members of the BYU women's golf team. Jerem, how good is women's golf, golf in general, BYU right now? I hope we get to see it. Uh, women's golf team is really good. They, uh, you know, went to the NCAA championships in 17 and 18. 19 had a good season but didn't uh, make it to the NCAA uh, regionals there. But they're, they're legit. And then 20, who knows what they would have done. It got cut short. So I think they're really good. I think Kerry Roberts has that program clicking. And uh, we have three in the offseason that are uh, back in the program that are going to be awesome. The guy selling info on the BYU men's basketball offense from last year. Uh, by the way, the cover photos from 2009. Throwback. Would you pay 20 bucks for this? That's how much it, it's being offered for. No, I would not pay $20 for it because I would call up my friends in the basketball office and utilize my connection. <laughs> say, hey, uh, teach me how to shoot the three well and play offense at a high level, and no. I don't want to pay 20 bucks for it. Yeah, it's more the the actual plays they ran. That's what the book is. I'll invite you over for dinner. Yeah. I'll invite you over for dinner, prepare your meal for you, and uh, we can have a conversation about this. Mutually beneficial, right? If the photo's not right, what else is wrong? <laughs> Chris Miles and Noah Hartsocker in the photo. <laughs> Bring on the best to wear. We're counting up to 99. One or two numbers each show, determining the best athletes to wear each number at Brigham Young University. Today, it's a double dip. 82 and 83. Jeremy, you're up first. 82, Chuck Cutler, wide receiver. 85 to 88. He ended up being first team all whack in 88 because he had one of the better seasons of BYU history as a receiver. Listen to this. 66 grabs, 1,067 yards. And 11 touchdowns. Those numbers don't happen today for any BYU receivers. Uh, the 66 catches, uh, you know, BYU. Matt Bushman could come close to that, but 1,000 yards, 11 touchdowns. Fantastic stuff. I, I love it. BYU had a bunch of these dudes that in 2020 mm-hmm. would probably play a different role. It was a different era. And guys like Chuck Cutler and Andy Boyce and Matt Bellini and these guys, they thrived, man. Eric in the Drage. 80s and 90s. Eric Dr- yeah. Those guys were really, really good. It does help. When you have quarterbacks, your boy Ty Detmer throwing you passes as a redshirt freshman in '88, or even uh, yeah, from Chuck Cutler's case, and John Walsh. I mean, the, the quarterback history there is why these receivers have done so well. At number 83, Matt Mendenhall. Yeah, Mendenhall in the list of best to wear. M A T Matt. Older brother of one Bronco Mendenhall. First team All-WAC in 1978. AP honorable mention as an All-American. His career included 15 sacks, six forced fumbles. In 1978 alone, he had 64 tackles and 11 sacks with 16 tackles for loss. Four forced fumbles drafted in the second round by the Washington football team of the NFL. 55th overall. Super Bowl 17 champion with the Washington football team. Matt Mendenhall, the best to wear it at number 83. Coming up, Zach Wilson on who sticks out of practice right now. And what does he think of the new splash shield? Plus, why he's maybe more confident than ever. This is BYU Sports Nation. 
BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Watch after further review tonight with Dave McCann, Blaine Fowler, David Nixon. Plenty of stuff to react to, conversation to be had amidst fall camp as well. AFL are live at 7 Eastern on the BYU app and on demand on the BYU app after that. What are the chances that after further review we'll actually break down a game this season? Any game, even if it's one, even if it's only Navy. I would welcome it. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation in Studio B. Yesterday, one Jerem Jordan had the opportunity to speak with BYU quarterback Zach Wilson via Zoom on the Deseret First Credit Union hotline, part of our BYU football all-access coverage on BYUSN. This conversation happened after practice and of note prior to the news of the Mountain West Conference decision. Here is Jerem Jordan one-on-one with Zach Wilson. All right, Zach, here we are, uh, week two of fall camp. How are things going, man? They've been good. Uh, team's looking good. I would say, you know, an offense probably need to be a little bit more consistent and just, just getting after the defense. But, uh, you know, definitely positives after the first week. Uh, coaches on bikes, that is Preston Hadley and Gennaro Guilford, every day they tweet out their, you know, rolling to work on bikes. Uh, I don't know if you've seen them, have you? Yeah, I've, I've glanced. I, I don't ever listen to what they're saying, but I've seen it a little bit. <laughs> the hope is that uh, the guys the coach are listening to what they're saying. But yeah. they said they got torched Saturday, just helpless, offense dominated. What was your assessment of the Saturday's practice there? Yeah, I think uh, team sessions were okay for the offense. I mean, I mean, we definitely moved the ball. We did well. Um, but but going into the the red zone period, I think is where I think we separated ourselves. We had our very first two plays of the, of the red zone period were touchdowns. Um, Matt had a great catch across the middle that I threw to him. And then, and then Baylor hit uh, Carter weed on a kind of like a little wheel route uh, on the other side for a touchdown. So we had um, a good spark right off the bat. And then we had a couple more touchdowns after that as well. So, so they were accurate. That's good to know. That's good. (laughs) I want to dig into much more about the team and football, but we got to take a sec to kind of talk about obviously what's going on with, Reports of the Big Ten potentially canceling football and the Pac-12 maybe following suit. What's your reaction to what we hope isn't the end of college football? And BYU is in a unique spot where, in theory, you could still play. But what's your reaction to kind of what's going on in the game right now? Yeah, it's it's you know it's interesting to see all of that stuff on social media and you know just the rumors and other players coming out saying we want to play and you know it is tough at every university. You know you everyone just has different perspectives, right? We're young kids, of course, we want to play and. Um, you never know what these other universities really, really are thinking deep down. But, um, you know, I guess for us as a team is, is we want to play and we have a game one and, and that's, that's our biggest approach is, is Navy on Labor Day. And so uh, we're just going to keep preparing for that until told, told otherwise. And, um, you know, it does suck to hear some of the rumors about, about all that kind of stuff, but we kind of just need to stay positive and keep practicing and, and taking it to our advantage. So you, you said, yes, we want to play and you're, you're at practice, you're doing that. How's it been with your fellow teammates in the discussion there? Because as of now, no BYU players have said, listen, we want X, Y, Z, or we're going to opt out. So far, it's, it seems like everyone's all in at this point. Yeah, you know, it is, it's different at every school. But for us, you know, we've had a players meeting and, and we've talked to the guys and um, we tried to address those questions asking, hey, if you have, a, if you have an issue with this and, and you feel like, you know, BYU should take different safety protocols or you feel like we shouldn't play, you know, speak up and say something and, you know, out of the hundred something guys that we have here, not one person said anything, you know, we're all here to play football and, and we understand we got to take that with responsibility and understand, um, you know, maybe our social life needs to 
uh, chill out a little bit outside of football so that guys aren't getting sick and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, we're here to play and everybody on the team can, can back that up. You guys have been going at it for a while now. Uh, I want to say the beginning of June, right? Is, is there any uh, fear of a burnout or anything? Or are you guys just fully engaged and doing fine right now? Yeah, you know, it's, it's hard to speak for everybody. But for me personally, it's, you know, we got a glimpse of what it was like to cancel football for a little bit. And so, you know, for me and, and a lot of other guys, it's, it's hey, that, that sucked, like what happened with uh, football being gone. And, and so we're, we're just taking full advantage of what we have right now and being able to practice and, and train and work out is, you know, we love being here. We wouldn't want to do anything else. Walk me through going into the SAB on a typical day right now, like that process of getting into the facility and then where are you going, what you do. Yeah, seven to eight, we got screening. So, you know, we'll go down. They got the table. They'll ask you if you got any symptoms, anything like that. You'll, you'll get the wristband, and um, they'll pretty much uh, check your fever if you got a, you know, a temperature over about 100. And, um, you know, after that, they'll give you a wristband just saying, hey, you've been screened for the day, pretty much breakfast. And then we head into meetings. Guys will uh, go in the locker room. Um, but for breakfast locker room, they're trying to avoid guys just being too close, um, not taking advantage of sitting separate from each other and you know at times we don't do the best of that but but guys understand how important it is at this time so um, then we just got meetings from there we're talking to zach wilson here on BYU sports nation zach are you a um you know neck mask guy are you a straight mask guy are you a custom mask guy what are you yeah i got the the biker mask i got the i actually got it in my back pocket but the but the one that it's got still the ear straps but it's got the whole the whole neck sleeve and everything too and Luckily, during practice, we don't have to wear those anymore. We just got the, the clear shield through the face mask. But, um, yeah, it's cool. The whole, line, the whole line got the same one, so we're all matching. Nice. That's awesome. So you're saying it, it evolved a little bit to where you have something different in your face mask? Is that the normal kind of clear mask you have there? Yeah. So, so last week we had uh, masks just because the ones that they got for us weren't here yet. They gave everyone some gaiters to wear. Um, underneath, but just this, I think it was actually Saturday was the first day they, they put a, it's pretty much like a, a clear, um, you know, plastic thing that they just zip tie through the face mask. So nothing on the top, no visor or anything, just, just the bottom face mask, just to keep, um, you know, germs and spit and all that kind of stuff off other people. Gotcha. Can you, can you breathe okay in it? Yeah. Yeah. That one's actually nice. It's a lot better than wearing the mask. And, uh, there are some guys that are opting to still wear the, the visor with the, with the mask, and I'm not sure how that feels, having the whole thing covered, but, um, yeah, it's not too bad. I saw Baylor Romney put a mask on his face mask. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think, that was I, think I think young Soljay started the trend of putting the mask on the outside of, <laughs> of his face mask, and some guys just copied it. Is that his nickname, young Soljay? Is that what you call him? That's what, he's like my little brother. He's like the little brother in the QB room. <laughs> That's awesome. I, I feel like he could be the perfect scout squad quarterback for Navy. Is that, am I yeah, off on that? I think he'd be perfect. Yeah, he's a, he's a good runner. He's, he can make people miss, that's for sure. He's a playmaker. How are, uh, how are you feeling in fall camp? How, how's, uh, this is your junior year. I feel like you just got here, but here we are two years yeah. later. How are you feeling? Yeah, flies by. Uh, you know, the best I've ever felt, best fall camp I've ever had. And, um, you know, I, I've never felt so in tune of what's going on, whether it's, you know, what front, what pressure, what defense, what disguise, like just, just a full understanding of what I'm seeing. Um, on the field this is the first time I really just felt dialed in on all that kind of stuff and so um, it's nice to be able to to just feel like you know you finally have some experience and and you can see what's going on did that just is that just a thing where it just takes time to be a couple years in college and 
I guess physically you're not as you, you could focus perhaps on the mental game this summer without recouping from surgery? Yeah, for sure. I mean, even my sophomore year, I felt like I took a huge leap mentally. And, um, you know, I felt like, you know, as far as just decision making, quick decisions, all that kind of stuff, I was still a lot further ahead than I was my freshman year. But but even this year, I feel like the game is starting to finally slow down and 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 having the ability to be, you know, healthy uh, physically, I feel great. And so uh, that also helps for sure. Give us an assessment of uh, the other two quarterbacks, Jaron Hall and Baylor Romney through camp so far. Yeah, they're good. Good players. They got, you know, experience. Uh, we all came in pretty much the same time. I think Jaron came in a little bit later uh, than me and Baylor did. But, you know, we all learned the offense the same time. And, um, you know, I've just been repping it exactly the same uh, the last three years. And, you know, they've been doing a really good job in camp of, of just uh, understanding the plays, understanding the details, and, and where to go with the ball. If I asked you every one of your touchdown passes in a 11-on-11 situation. Could you tell me the receiver on all of them right now? Yeah, it's hard. Um, or there have been so many you forget? <laughs> yeah, I wish. I wish that was the case. I kind of have to think about how many we've had so far. I mean, most of our team sessions were not moving the ball a ton. So it's like, okay, well, maybe he broke that tackle and, and would have scored. Um, but But I would say Saturday was the first time we went red zone. So that was – um, the first time I think the, the touchdown pass I had to Matt was the, just the one that comes to mind. Matt just in a one-on-one situation going up and making a play. How is he in a one-on-one -on -one situation? There's got to be someone over the top there, right? Come on. Yeah, he's a, he's a good player. The defense needs to start accounting for having someone over the top because he's looking really good. What newcomers stick out offensively? Um, you know, I'd say, uh, you know, Cody Epps, the receiver position is doing well. I would say all the tight ends are really starting to buy in. Isaac Rex is doing a great job with Matt, but but even guys like Mason Wake, you know, playing more of like a little fullback position and, you know, they're understanding the scheme and, and what's going on and they're doing a great job. Uh, Tyler Algier is not necessarily a new guy, but but someone that's taking a bigger role this year as a running back. And, you know, he had a great practice on Saturday and as well today. And um, he's a hard runner. So guys like that are, are good good for us. Well, you guys are plowing ahead like we're going to play, and that's all you can do. And so uh, yeah. best of luck, little BYU Sports Nation karma. And hopefully we play, man. Yep, that's the goal. Thanks, Zach. Yep, thank you. BYU quarterback Zach Wilson, one-on-one, -on -one, all access. BYU football coverage on the Deseret First Credit Union hotline. Deseret First, you know why we show how. I feel like he won that matchup. Coming up, the top five football plays versus service academies, a.k.a. Air Force. Special teams were extra special in this top five. This is BYU Sports Nation. This segment of BYU Sports Nation, presented by Delta Airlines. Keep climbing. BYU Sports Nation continues with your daily reminder. The show available anytime on demand via the BYU TV and BYU radio apps. Or you can download the podcast. Just Google BYU Sports Nation podcast, subscribe, rate, and review. Feels like forever ago, but it's only been a few days since BYU scheduled a new season opener against Navy. That said, we have fashioned a top five Tuesday with special emphasis on games against the service academies, namely Air Force, Jerem. Let's go. Number five, 2004 at Air Force. It's 10-10 in the third quarter. And your boy John Beck dials it up for 70 yards to Todd Watkins, Whee! earning him the nation's top deep threat from Sports Illustrated the next summer. That was part of a 21-point third quarter, 38-point second half. BYU wins 41-24. In 1999, Air Force at BYU. The Cougars leading 20-10 on their home field when Kevin Federick throws a dart to margin hooks. What looked like a nice first down. 
quickly turns into a touchdown. Hook splitting the defenders and running faster than the other guys into the end zone. BYU wins 27-20. to One of those defenders looks like he just is out. Out? Yeah, maybe he was. Number three, 1990 at Air Force. Ty in 6-1, 10th ranked. BYU beat up Air Force 54-7 thanks to a 30-point quarter. Ooh! And Tony Crutchfield to the house, baby. To the house, Andy Boyce, 10 grabs, 127 yards, three touchdowns. BYU beats up the Falcons. Pick six. Number two, special teams are extra special. 1985, down 21-7 in the third quarter against the 10th-ranked team in the nation. Vi Sikahema sets an NCAA record for touchdown returns with this 72-yard beauty to put the Cougars right back in the game. He wasn't finished yet. Robbie Bosco and the air raid offense find Sikahama for a 79-yard bomb of a touchdown pass to break that 21-all tie. Two 70-plus-yard touchdowns for Vi. Cougars win the game 28-21. Air Force was like a top-10 team in that game, Yep, number 10. In 1989 versus Air Force, number 21, BYU had an amazing special teams day. Stacey Corley takes the opening kickoff, 99 yards to where Mama bakes the bread, then down 17-7 in the second quarter. He does it again, this time 85 yards. BYU went on to win 44-35 and proved to 8-2. Two kickoff returns for touchdowns in the same game by Stacey Corley. Our question of the day, will BYU have more or fewer than three games on the schedule by the end of the week? Our elite voice of the day presented by Sundance Mountain Resort. From Matt Reed Beatsy, at the end of the week, fewer. At the end of the following week, more. There you go. Okay. okay. Uh, Rise and shout-outs at E. Gibbons 9 tweeted about his new field in his backyard, Clovis, California. Uh, painted that. That thing's legit. His family also did it in Reno in 2011. Pretty impressive. My rise and shout-out goes to Taysom Hill, who after camp yesterday... Went home and built a crib. It's a father's rite of passage. Very exciting for Taysom and Emily as they are set to welcome their son into the world. Follow those instructions, man. Nice job. It looks good. Our thanks to today's guests, Matt Brown and Zach Wilson. Sorry to Dennis Pitta. No time, bro. For Jerem, I am Spencer. Shout out to Irvin Lee. We'll see you tomorrow on BYU Sports Nation. Go Cougs.